as we celebrate this great feast of our Lord Jesus Christ, the King of the universe, we remember that we are members of this kingdom. We are members as Christians of the kingdom of God, as we heard from St. Paul in our uh, second reading today. As we are inheritors, we are heirs to the kingdom of God because of our baptism. And we know that our baptism changed everything for us as we are welcomed then into the kingdom of God. We are participating even now this side of heaven in his kingdom. And because of this, we as Christians, we see everything differently. The way that we look at the world, the way we experience Christ, the way we experience each other and experience the world is completely different because of our Christian vision the way we are able to see the world. For we see everything differently. To give some examples, from creation to the government, to family, to friends, to holidays, to our material possessions, to farming, to butchering, to welding, nursing, teaching, preaching, faith and suffering, just to name a few things. And for we, as the Christians, we belong to this kingdom of God, And we are given this new sight, this ability to see even God himself. And we see things, and if we see things differently, then we live differently as well. In this great feast of Christ the King, uh, it is actually a relatively new feast in the life of the church. It's yet not even a hundred years old. This great feast started and was given to us in 1925 by Pope uh, Pius XI. And as I think it's important that we know uh, the why. You know, why are we celebrating Christ the King? And why was it instituted in 1925? Sometimes I think uh, for the the celebrations of the church that, you know, they've been going on since the very beginning. But it's interesting to look back and see why certain feasts started at different times. So if you allow me, I just want to read a brief paragraph, a couple sentences, about why Pope Pius XI gave us this feast in 1925. He writes in the document establishing this feast, And we remember saying that these manifold evils in the world, so think about World War I, the rise of communism, and many other evils in this time, they were due to the fact that the majority of mankind had thrust Jesus Christ and his holy law out of their lives. That these had no place either in private affairs or in politics. And we said further that as long as individuals and states refuse to submit to the rule of our Savior, there would be no really hopeful prospect of lasting peace among nations. Men must look for the peace of Christ in the kingdom of Christ. I like that last line. We must look for the peace of Christ in the kingdom of Christ. There is no other place, no other peace in this world except for in the kingdom of God. So what he's reflecting on here is the need not only of individuals, of each of us as Christians, to choose to live with Christ as our king, but allowing our our individual lives to impact the lives of the world, the lives of nations, 
the, 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 the impact of, of the nations, of the states, of the world, to let Christ reign in our hearts, to let his laws, let his love rule us, and then allowing that peace that comes from Christ to rule in the world. For each of us, every Christian must look for the peace of Christ in the kingdom of Christ. How do we look for Christ? How do we let this, uh, this kingdom rule in our hearts? How do we live? How do we see the world as Christians? I want to give just three examples today. As I've mentioned at the beginning, we as Christians, we see differently. The way we look at the world is different because we are able to see the invisible. As Christians, we are able to see invisible realities because, because of our faith and because of Christ. I think one example of how we are able to see differently is the sacraments. The sacraments. Because we have these physical realities all around us. We have the bread. We have the oils right here. We have the fire at the Easter Vigil or our baptism. We have uh, the bread and the wine. These physical things that we are oh so familiar with, but then they are blessed. They are transformed. And the same goes for the sacrament of marriage. You are transformed as you enter into that sacrament or the priesthood. These physical things then are transformed and filled with the life of Christ. So then they give us Christ's life. They give us his grace. When we are, are living close to Jesus, when we're living in the life of the church, then we are able to see these things. We're able even to see God himself working in our hearts and in our lives. Another uh, example this morning is that we, another thing that we can see differently is uh, just as an example, um, over the course of uh, my time in seminary and getting to know a couple families, and then just recently, um, I was reflecting on the, the, the idea of butchering. Uh, when we go and we see and we uh, process these animals, they are given to us by God. They are not something that is just a task to do or a thing to, to get done, but received as a gift. This creation that God has given us, the ability to receive and have these animals that are to nourish our bodies. You know, we eat all the time, we go to the grocery store all the time, but they're being able to be connected and, and the family coming together and, and joining in this, uh, in this time. I think that's, that's a beautiful thing and, and seeing it as a gift, seeing all the things in the world as a gift that we um, have received. We haven't um, just gone out and grasped it for ourselves. It was first given to us as a gift whether that was uh, animals for our food or um, you know, our work in, in universities or our work at home or wherever we, we find ourselves. We've received first as a gift from God. And then we are in turn um, asked by him to give him thanks, to live a life of gratitude. So seeing God in, in all of those different areas. Number two, we live and interact with the world differently as Christians. What does this mean? I think a couple things. When we live with people, we live actually a life of charity as Christians. 
And people are always going to push our buttons. This is just a fact of life. But as Christians, we live differently because we don't hold on to that grudge. We live a life of charity and we don't hold on to and let that, that, um, that injury fester. That injury of, you know, maybe they cut us off on the road or they, um, you know, said something very offensive to us. Now, that, there's one thing, but we are called as Christians to forgive. It's not forgetting the injury, but it's, it's entering into that with Christ and journeying to that process of forgiveness. We don't hold those grudges, and we don't try to get revenge. As Christians, we live lives of charity. As Christians as well, we use the goods of the world, but we don't belong and try to possess them just for ourselves and try to be attached to them. We have the phrase, maybe you've heard it before, that as Christians we are in the world, but not of the world. We are in the world to be a leaven, to be the light, to be the salt. But we are not called to be of the world, to think as the world does, but to think as Christians do. And so we live as pilgrims on a journey, as Christians journeying to our heavenly home, our true home in, 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 in God's destiny for us. And we are also view our work with dignity. We do it with the, the greatest respect, the greatest honor for whatever that is. And whatever, wherever we find ourselves, we do this with great dignity. We honor the gift of being able to work and, um, and build up the kingdom with those around us uh, at our work. And finally, as Christians, we are able to bring Christ into every dimension of our life and to follow his example. We bring Christ into every corner and every crevice of our hearts and of our lives, allowing him to shape the way we see the world, to shape our decisions, and to shape our life. For what is Christ's example? What is his witness to us? As we heard in the gospel, it is the cross. The example of Christ, brothers and sisters, is his cross. We are invited to pick up our own cross, to follow Christ, for that is the only way to gain and win that prize of heaven, to carry our cross, to follow Christ. And we know, as we um, mentioned just earlier, we have the sacraments. The sacraments strengthen us. We're able to see Christ, and he will help us on our journey. For when that cross gets burdensome, he is here with the sacraments to sustain us. We were able to follow the king of glory, but not in a throne that the world thinks Jesus should have. They never thought that the God himself would come down and, and be crucified on a cross. There's, only Jesus can transform the most humiliating punishment into something glorious. And that glory that Christ did was the transforming the cross to make it a way that we are saved that we can be redeemed. And this, brothers and sisters, is our Christian vision, that we are able to see the sufferings that we endure now um, with the purpose of Christ. They may not make complete sense, but make sense enough that we are able to have and, and continue in our faith, to find Christ in our sufferings, and knowing that they one day will be redeemed, that one day they will be transformed and made glorious.
as we were able to be with God one day in heaven. And so we are called today to not think as the world thinks, to not see as the world sees, but to see as Christ sees, to have our Christian vision restored, our Christian vision strengthened today so that we one day can be with our King who is in heaven. And may Christ our King continue to reign in our hearts and in our lives and our families and transform us so that one day we can be with him forever in the kingdom of God in heaven.